Hey, Disney Cruise fans, it's Wes. If you'd like to support the show, please consider booking your next Disney trip with us. We are independent travel agents affiliated with Mickey World Travel, a platinum Disney earmarked agency. Though we specialize in Disney cruises, we book all Disney destinations. We'll help you with all the planning details and make sure you don't miss out on anything important. Of course, if it is a Disney cruise, we'll give you some onboard credit up to $1,000 to spend on your trip. That's free money to spend on whatever you want just for booking with us spa treatments port adventures merchandise adult dining experiences it doesn't cost you anything to work with us and you'll pay the same as if you book directly through disney so you might as well get some extra spending money to take with you if you're interested send me an email at wes w-e-s at mickeyworldtravel.com and now on to the show Hey everyone, happy new year. Welcome to episode number 107 of the DCL Dude Podcast. My name is Wes and I hope all of your years are off to a great start. Ours, not so much. I had <laughs> I had COVID two weeks ago and the rest of my family got it soon after I got it. So we've been in sort of isolation and recovery for a little while. Thankfully, we all got very mild cases of it and bounced back pretty quickly. So, um, so that was definitely, definitely positive. We also survived two extremely cold days and I'm, uh, already officially ready for winter to be over. We got a good amount of snow about two weeks ago and that was fun for a day until the, the freezing rain came in after and turned it into uh, a thick layer of ice. So I'm just, I, at this point I'm already over it all. Thanks so much to everyone who submitted questions for my Q&A. If you missed the chance to submit one, please don't hesitate to send me one and I'll answer it privately. Um, we'll get to all the questions that I received in a minute, but I, I first want to start like I always do and, and catch you up on the Disney Cruise stories from the last couple weeks. <clears throat> Excuse me. There hasn't been a ton, but a, a few noteworthy things to point out. Uh, this first one goes actually goes back several weeks, but I, I I wanted to remind everyone that the that excuse me that Disney Cruise Line is currently running its fifty percent off deposit promotion, which allows you to put ten percent down toward a future cruise instead of the typical twenty percent. Uh, I just wanted to throw that out there because I. I you know, again, I, I know a lot of people like to take advantage of this offer because it's it's less of a, a an upfront monetary commitment um, and gives you some flexibility to to plan your next cruise. So, just wanted to remind everyone that that's going on. One story that has repeated a couple times in the past couple weeks um, is, and I actually saw something similar again today. Um, the Disney Fantasy schedule continues to change sort of dynamically as the weeks go on. Um, a couple weeks ago, the Fantasy was docked at St. Thomas, but uh, was not permitted to let guests off the ship. And, and just this past week, the Fantasy's itinerary was altered from an Eastern Caribbean cruise to a Western Caribbean cruise. Uh, and in addition to that, it appears that Grand Cayman is closing its ports, uh, uh, its port to cruise ships. So, you know, those stories are definitely something to keep an eye on over the next couple of weeks. 
The cruise date flexibility policy was extended at the beginning of January, allowing guests the opportunity to move their cruise to a future date up to 14 days prior to their cruise. Uh, This is, in my opinion, a huge policy update, especially given the surge in COVID-19 cases that that the country has been experiencing uh, this month. If you're nervous about taking your cruise, Disney is allowing you to move it to a future date without incurring cancellation penalties. This policy has been extended to cruises sailing through the end of May, and if you choose to move your cruise under this policy, you um, currently must sail by May 31st, 2023. So uh, it's possible that date could be pushed out further, but um, for now, that's the date. Also keep in mind that whichever cancellation penalties would apply at the time you move your cruise stay with the reservation after you move it. So in other words, say you move your cruise at a time when you would otherwise incur a a 50% cancellation penalty for canceling your cruise. That penalty would stay with the reservation uh, in the event that you decide to cancel in the future. So by moving your cruise, it does not allow you to cancel without penalty. Um, You would still need to sail if you don't want to lose any of the money that you paid. So hopefully that wasn't too confusing. I tried to make it as simple as possible, but, um, you know, obviously if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. And finally, you may have missed it because it didn't get a whole lot of media attention, but the, the CDC director told a U.S. Senate committee last week that it did not anticipate the conditional sale order would be renewed. Um, the order, which is set to expire on January 15th, is instead expected to become a, a set of guidelines instead of sort of mandatory uh, rules to be followed. Cruise lines are likely going to adhere to most of the terms of the previous conditional sale order, in my opinion, um, on a voluntary basis, but it'll be interesting to see what, if anything, changes as uh, as a result of this update. So now that you're all caught up, I, I'm really excited to get to the questions I re- uh, received for this week's show. I, I got questions across all my social media channels. So I got some from Facebook, from Instagram, from Twitter. So, um, you know, thank you again to everyone who submitted questions. I got a a lot of really good ones and, uh, and and some that, that really made me think. So let's get to those and, uh, we'll, we'll go through these one by one. My first question is from Sarah, uh, from Facebook. She said, how do back to backs work with COVID testing and also looking for good tips, um, for back to back. Pretty much, you know, back-to-back uh, sailings right now pretty much work the same as back-to-back prior to the testing requirements. Um, after your first cruise, you will still have to get off the ship, go through customs, and wait in the terminal again prior to getting back on the ship. Um, once you're back in the terminal, you'll be tested again the same way you did um, for the first cruise that you went on, uh, and you know it pretty much follows a, a standard process. My friend Chris actually just did a back-to-back cruise uh, at the end of December and said that it was really pretty efficient. Uh, in fact, it sounds like Disney Cruise Line is getting more efficient with the the pre-cruise testing overall. I remember when they first started testing everyone at the port, um, it was taking, I think, up to like an hour and a half for people to get their test results back. But based on, um, based on what I've been hearing, it's pretty consistently uh, around about 45 minutes now. So it's not... Um, it's not taking too much time as far as, um, good tips for back to back. Uh, you know, obviously the, the biggest thing I would recommend is, is, is booking the same stateroom for both of your cruises. That way, you know, you can leave your stuff in the stateroom. You don't have to, uh, move it. 
Um, you can just kind of leave all your stuff unpacked that, you know, the way it was when you're getting off the ship, that's a huge benefit. Although if you, if you do have a different stateroom, I know that, um, Disney Cruise Line will move your stuff for you. You'll just have to pack it all up and, uh, you know, put it at a place where they, they can come get it and, um, they'll take care of moving it to your other stateroom. But <clears throat> that's, that's probably the biggest thing I would recommend beyond that. I, I, you know, it's a, it's a great way to kind of squeeze in a seven night cruise if you, um, uh, you know, you don't want to do a, a full Eastern Caribbean or a Western Caribbean. Um, and, and the opportunity to visit Castaway Key twice is, is always nice. But, um, I know a lot of people like the back-to-back cruises. Plus it gives you two cruises toward your Castaway Club status. So that's always, um, that's always a nice benefit. Joshua, uh, this question is from Joshua from Facebook. When is your next cruise? Where are you going and for how long? So right now we are scheduled. Well, we've been scheduled since day one, um, but we're scheduled on the maiden voyage on the Disney Wish. We are just so ecstatic about that. We can't wait for it. I also can't believe it's less than five months away at this point, um, or maybe a little bit more than five, a little over... I don't it's somewhere around five months away, but it, it, it's coming so fast and it just, it's, it, it sort of blows my mind that we're already uh, at this point at that point And we're, you know, starting to think about planning for it. Um, but we're scheduled on the maiden voyage. Really excited about that between my work schedule and the kids school schedule. It's really difficult for us to find time. And, um, you know, in the first part of the year to get away for a couple of days, the, the past few years, we've gone down to Florida during our kids February school break. Um, um, but I, I'm not sure that it's going to happen this year. The the company that I work for is a newly public company, and the timing of our annual report is still a bit up in the air. So it's just a, a kind of a scheduling mess for us right now. But if it works out uh, that you know our our report gets filed before uh, the kids break, we we may try to book some sort of last minute trip, uh, depending on prices and schedules and stuff like that. So we'll see uh, we'll see how all that goes, but. For right now, the the next uh, cruise that we has, have scheduled is June 9th. The next question is from Kevin on Facebook. We are planning on cruising in Europe on the Magic this summer. It sounds amazing. Uh, if one of us tests positive for COVID at the port, will Disney Cruise Line put us up if we need to quarantine? Um, it's a great question. I honestly have no idea. Um, my gut tells me they would probably not assist with accommodations, but then again, I've, I've heard of, uh, many instances in the past where Disney has gone above and beyond what was required of them to take care of their guests. So I, I wouldn't completely rule it out. Um, you know, maybe they would help in, in some, um, in some manner, but I, I probably would plan for the worst and, and hope for the best, uh, in that scenario. And hopefully it wouldn't even come to that and you don't test positive, but, um, it's hard to say, it's hard to say what Disney would do in that situation. Heather from Facebook says, what's the latest with kids club reservations? Is it easy to extend it over two hours now? This is probably the one protocol that can't go back to the way it was soon enough. I really don't like the way they're doing things now. And I I can't wait until kids can um, come and go as they please again. For now, you still have to sign your kids up for two-hour windows to visit the kids' clubs. Um, that booking window uh, to make those reservations opens 30 days prior to your cruise, and you'll sign up for uh, for time slots the same way you would sign up for onboard activities you know, through the app or on DisneyCruise.com. Um, 
even once the the kids are checked in, their their time spent in the spaces is very regimented. Uh, so the kids spend a certain amount of time in each sort of section before moving on to the next one. So even once they're inside, it's you know it's not completely up to them to do whatever they want. So um, I, I've heard mixed experiences about extending time inside or about being able to check in more often than what you you know you signed up for ahead of time. The thing I've heard the most, though, is that they're they're not allowing you to extend your time, and that availability outside of your reserve time slots is limited. So, um, I've heard from a lot of families who have concerns about these protocols, and I, I certainly share those concerns. Um, I personally don't like having a, a schedule to stick to when I'm on board, and I feel like these reservations limit a, a family's flexibility a little bit, especially since you have to sign up for times before you even know what's going on around the ship. Um, so I really can't wait until they just let the kids come and go as they choose again. It's um, it, that that can't happen soon enough. It, and honestly, I, I don't. To give you a more definitive answer, I don't know about um, you know being able to extend your time. It's just I, I can only go on what I've heard I've heard from other people so far, um, and and that's what I've been hearing. So it, I'm sure it's sort of cruise dependent. It's obviously based on how crowded the kids spaces are how many people have signed up for time slots so it's you know once you're on the ship if you feel like you need more time i would certainly visit and see uh what what, what your options are but um anyway that's that's kind of what i've been hearing from people who have sailed on these cruises my friends from rope drop radio on facebook actually i think this one was doug um on facebook asks how long does it take to get from the port to the airport in rome any areas of rome you recommend for the couple days before a cruise uh and that is from doug uh from rope drop radio thanks doug uh so when you fly into rome you fly into the leonardo da vinci international airport and you might also hear it referred to as um the rome fiumicino airport so both the airport and the center of rome are about 45 minutes to an hour from the port at Civitavecchia. Um, and it, you know, if you're cruising from there, I would highly recommend planning a few days before, uh, or after your cruise to visit the city. Doug, it sounds like you are planning to do that. Um, I personally had the privilege of living in Rome for almost five months during the, the spring semester, of my junior year in college. So I'm, I feel like I'm pretty familiar with the city, although it's been, um, obviously several years since, uh, since I lived there. Uh, but there's just, there's so much amazing history to explore and to learn about. Uh, if you're staying for a long weekend, I would certainly recommend breaking your visit kind of into two parts. One day visiting the Vatican, um, and, and, you know, sort of the surrounding area. And then another day exploring the other historical locations like the Colosseum, the Trevi Fountain, the Roman Forum, uh, the Pantheon, you know, those types of places. And they're sort of, I don't want to say they're all centrally located because Rome is a, it's a big city, but those kind of main tourist attractions are, are, are relatively, um, close by and it's a walking city too. So you can, you can get around pretty, uh, pretty easily by walking, but there are some really excellent tour groups that can cover these specific areas, you know, like um, the Vatican and, and then kind of Rome history in general. Uh, and, and you know, can, those, those tour groups can certainly help you make the most out of your time there. I, you know, those they'll also help you help direct you to sort of the best places to eat because they'll show you the local authentic locations. There are certainly a lot of touristy areas around Rome, a lot of, um, 
I'll call it Americanized places, and, and the food is still good, but you you want to eat at one of those like authentic Italian restaurants to to really get the full experience. So, um, that you know that's what I would say about that. Definitely look look out for those tour groups. Um, and if you're looking for a place to stay, I I would look sort of around the Vatican area, around the center of Rome, and even around the the Termini train station. Those are those are good areas for hotels. I would I would avoid the the southern part of Rome uh, if possible for. Uh, for a hotel, but, um, Doug, shoot me a, a message or something. If you, you have more questions about Rome and we can, uh, we can do some planning for you. Uh, Joe from back to the mouse, uh, asks on Twitter, what are the must do's for Marvel day at sea? Uh, I love this question because it gave me a chance to go and look back on our Marvel day at sea cruise in February of 2020, which, was one of my all-time favorites and one of my family's all-time favorites. My number one suggestion for a Marvel Day at Sea is to spend some time planning your day the night before your Marvel Day at Sea. Um, At least when we did it last time, they packed a ton of activities and events all throughout the day. So it would definitely be a good idea to look at all, all of it ahead of time and decide what you want to do. Unfortunately, there will likely be events that you'll you'll want to do that overlap or are scheduled for the same time. So you'll need to kind of prioritize which is more important to you, which is kind of a bummer because a lot of times there'll be two things scheduled sort of around the same time that you really want to go to and you just you're going to have to pick and choose, which, um, you know, just means you got to do another one uh, at another time. Generally speaking, I would say try to meet with as many of the characters as you can. This was one of the best parts of the experience, but you know, I would imagine it won't be as exciting with the current protocols. They the characters were just really awesome when you could get up close and interact with them. And the, the interactions were much better than kind of your standard character meet. They would really engage with you in conversation and you know ask about your day, ask, you know, who your favorite superhero is. If you've met your favorite superhero, it was the, the character interactions on a Marvel day at sea were just, you know, one of the best parts about it. But to answer the question more directly, there are two things specifically that stood out to me. The first was the mission New York character experience. And it, it sounds like maybe they're not offering this exact thing, uh, this time around, which is, you know, kind of a bummer, but hopefully it's still something similar. Uh, Mission New York was a character experience that, you know, we signed up for in advance, uh, to meet Black Panther, Spider-Man and Iron Man. Um, you entered the room, which I, I believe it was the D lounge and it was just completely marvelized is, is the only uh, word I can come up with. Um, it was completely marvelized. So the space was just unrecognizable. You wouldn't know it was the D lounge. Um, and then they, they moved you from one superhero to the other, and you, you really had a chance to interact with them. And, and Black Panther was, and actually still is, um, my son's favorite Marvel superhero. And his interaction with my son during that event is 
it's still one of my favorite Disney Cruise memories of all time. It was awesome. Um, you know, he, William walked right in. He was wearing his own Black Panther costume himself, and Black Panther saw him and came over to him and started, you know, talking to him. And he was doing all these like Black Panther motions. You know, he did Wakanda. We taught him what what, what Wakanda Forever was. Um, you know, showed him how to do that. It was it was just a really cool experience, and, and you know, to see him. To see my son meet his favorite superhero was just, uh, you know, one of those things that will always stick with me. So that was awesome. Uh, the other event that is absolutely a can't miss and maybe the top can't miss thing about uh, Marvel Daisy is the Marvel Heroes Unite show on sta- you know, on the stage on Deck Nine. It's completely worth it to arrive early and kind of stake out a spot near uh near the stage for for it because it is by far the best show that you'll see on deck on any cruise and it it might even rival some of the walt disney theater stage shows and maybe is better than some of them it's it's that good uh it has a, a great story um and and you get to see all your favorite superheroes in one place along with you know a special fireworks show so whatever you do during your marvel day at sea be sure that you don't miss this final event to close out the day because it's it, it's just a, a phenomenal show uh, Joe chimed in, Joe from back to the mouse chimed in with another question on Twitter. Is there anything, <laughs> is there anything worse than getting rid of the sports deck only to replace it with uh, concierge space or a spa <laughs> other than genie plus? I mean, so, you know, this is sort of a, a, a an inside, well, I wouldn't say inside joke cause it's, you know, public, but it, we joke about, um, the, the sports decks a lot and, you know, kind of my disdain for them, not necessarily for the sports deck, but just the amount of space they take up. But anyway, I'll be, I'll be curious to see how, you know, that multi use purpose indoor space that they recently announced on the Disney wish is going to work out. I like the idea of having an indoor athletic facility much more than I like the idea of an outdoor one because it sort of takes the wind out of the picture. But even still, my, my biggest complaint has always been that it just takes up so much space that they could do something better with, you know, like more pool space for one. Uh, so hopefully they come up with some cool things uh, for when it's, you know, not just used as a sports complex. But <laughs> I have to say that Incredibles blow up bouncy house thing that they announced a few months back was not really what I was hoping for. It just feels way too safe and, 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 you know, like not a lot of creativity design and imagineering went into it. So hopefully that's not, uh, all they're able to come up with. This next one is from Schwigs on Twitter. Uh, this my friend, Chris, uh, what are your favorite ways to spend a day at sea? And what do you think Disney could add to days at sea to make them better? My favorite way to start a day at sea is usually brunch in a sit-down restaurant. Um, I'm not sure if any of you know this or all of you know this, but on on the Dream Class ships, it's always been in the Enchanted Garden. And I I think the last time we went to one on a classic ship, it was still Parrot Key. So I'm not even positive that they still do these. Um, But on sea days, they used to, at at least they used to serve uh, the breakfast buffet, both in Cabana's. Um, and in a main dining restaurant. And I believe it was just, you know, a way for them to spread out the crowd since people wouldn't be showing up early to prepare to go to, you know, to go ashore. But I, 
I absolutely love the buffets in the sit-down restaurants so much so that I, I think I would do it every morning if they offered it. I, I, I feel like it just allows you to slow down a little bit and get your day started off on the right foot. And, you know, it's much less chaotic because you, you know, you have a seat, they, they sit, they seat you, your waiter brings you the drinks. Um, and, and, and you know, it's, it just, it, it's just a great way to start the day. Um, after that, I would say it's up to the pool deck to relax by the pool, catch a movie on Funnel Vision. That's one of my favorite things to do when, you know, when my kids will allow me to just, you know, just sit there and, and, and uh, sit in the lounge chair and watch a movie. Um, hopefully hit the aqueduct a, a couple times. I feel like before lunch is usually a little less crowded on deck so that's when we like to get in our water activities there's just seems to be fewer people before lunch than there are after lunch um then it's time uh for lunch at one of the quick service locations and every time i'm deciding what i want to eat i am wishing they had a sushi option i love sushi um i would love to see that offered at a station one day but only if it promises to be decent sushi. I'd rather I'd rather not have it at all than have bad sushi. Uh, but it just seems to be something I'm always craving when I'm looking for something for lunch. Anyway, um, after uh, you know, after my after lunch preferences depend on you know whether or not we have someone with us who can take the kids for a little while. If that is the case, I love to visit the adults-only pool deck, spend some time in the hot tub, um, and maybe even catch a, a, a quick nap on one of the lounge chairs. To me, that is just like a perfect way to relax and, and feels like peak vacation to me. Uh, if the kids are still with us, we'll we'll check out some of the activities around the ship, um, probably hit up the ice cream stand multiple times, and maybe even catch a movie in the Buena Vista Theater. We don't typically try to cram in a bunch of stuff during our days at sea. We, we like to keep it low key and, and just sort of go with the flow and, and plan things as they come up. You know, we may plan something and then once the time comes, someone may not feel like doing it. And so we'll just, you know, pivot and do something else. So we don't put, we don't put a lot of pressure on our, our days at sea and just really try to make it as relaxing as possible. Um, I also really like just sitting out on our veranda if you know if we have one, but we typically do that just about every evening after the kids go to bed, so that's not necessarily limited to um, to a day at sea. One thing my wife and I had the chance to do in November 2019 when we sailed just the two of us was visit the rainforest room. Um, I am dying to try this again under the current protocols where it's it's one family or one party at a time and, and you have the place all to yourself for you know for an hour and 45 minutes or whatever it is <laughs> if they could keep that the way it is now i would be all for that because you know we had a great experience in the rainforest room the one downside was um there were a bunch of uh, people kind of laying on the, um, the, the tile lounge chairs that are in there. And, you know, we, and then they only have two hot tubs in there. Both were, were taken. And so, you know, we had to wait, wait for that. Um, which wasn't a huge deal, but it'd be nice to just have the, the, you know, the space yourself and use it however you want for that amount of time. Um, I would certainly, uh, you know, be all for that. Another question from Schwigs on Twitter. Uh, the Fantasy does Star Wars Day at Sea and the Magic does Marvel Day at Sea. What would you add to one of the other ships? So I I put a lot of thought into this one, and I wish I could say that I came up with something like really creative or groundbreaking, but I, I struggled with this one. I think the Marvel Day at Sea is 
really about as good as it gets. I haven't done a Star Wars Day at Sea, but admittedly, I'm I'm not as big of a, a Star Wars fan as I am a Marvel fan. And I've also heard that the the Star Wars Day at Sea cruises are not quite up to par with the Marvel Days at Sea yet. Um, you know, hopefully they're they're continuing to add things to those, especially as um, new new movies and and shows come out. But um, yeah, Marvel Day at Sea is are you know are are amazing. I grew up watching Disney movies in the 90s, which I feel was kind of like the golden era of Disney movies, like, you know, movies like The Rescuers, Beauty and the Beast, The Lion King, Aladdin, Pocahontas, what else was was that? Hercules, uh, one of my favorite movies. I love Hercules. I feel like it'd be cool to have a kind of a, a classic movie theme. I, I don't think you could really get away with a, you know, a fully dedicated day at sea, but maybe a, a theme, you know, a classic Disney movie theme similar to like a Maritime or Halloween on the High Seas Cruise. Uh, I think that'd be cool. I'm also pretty positive they'd have no way of pulling us off, but I... I've I've often thought about what an adults only cruise might feel like. I I think a lot of adults would totally be down for a, a Disney cruise without any kids on board, um, and I I think they could do a lot of really unique stuff with that. So I I think that would be cool, and I think a lot of people would sign up for that. Again, I don't I'm not sure they could do that but just something that i've always thought about that i think would be really cool and i think a pixar day at sea would be uh would be really popular as well and they have so many characters you could you know you could make a really fun day at sea i think uh out of a pixar day at sea i really appreciate the question sorry if my answer lets you down a little bit i just i really struggled with that one uh this next one is from ashley phelps uh, on Twitter, she uh, says, top food recommendations for each rotational dining experience and your favorite way to spend a day on Castaway Key. Um, the food question here is a, a bit hard for me because there, there isn't really one menu that stands out to me among the others in uh, in the main dining restaurants, with, with one exception. And, and that's not to say that I don't enjoy the food. In fact, it, it, it's quite the opposite. I, I think the vast majority of the food in the main dining restaurants is excellent. And there are there's a few dishes that stand out, but I, I don't think I could make a, a recommendation kind of by dining rotation. Um, but with that being said, my favorite appetizer and entree are both found on the rotational dining menu in the Enchanted Garden. The best appetizer across the fleet, by far, it's not even close, is the ahi tuna and avocado, avocado tower with crispy noodles and wasabi dressing. Oh, pour some soy sauce over the top of that and you have a sushi-grade appetizer that is beautiful to look at and tastes absolutely amazing. I typically order two. They are so delicious. Um, and then for the entree, it's the caramelized sea scallops with roasted asparagus, sun-dried tomato couscous, and red wine veal juice. Oh, it, 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 just thinking about it is making my mouth water. But I, I think it, it, um, that entree is typically served with five scallops maybe four, but I typically ask them to bring me, you know, the standard plate, but double the amount of scallops and, you know, combined with that appetizer, it's, mm, it's just the perfect meal. Um, people love the, the black truffle presets from animators palette, uh, rotational dining menu. I consistently see that as kind of, uh, you know, a, a favorite, um, food at, in the main dining restaurants. Another favorite of mine is the beef tenderloin and lobster medallions. I want to say that's on the Royal Court or Royal Palace 
or maybe both menu. Um, I'm typically a fan of surf and turf options, so those are always a big hit for me. One of my most memorable dining experiences in a main dining restaurant was uh, was in Alaska when they had the Taste of Alaska menu. I I love how they often have menus featuring local cuisine when the ship is visiting a place that's kind of known for its food or has unique culinary influences. I hear often that the best way to experience the local culture and lifestyle is to eat the local food. And, and I, I love how Disney often brings it on board for you. Um, because I, you know, that's one of the things that I love doing when I visit a port of call is finding a, you know, a local place to eat and just finding, um, a local dish or a local drink. Um, and, and I love that Disney cruise line kind of brings it on board. Anyway, I remember from that menu there being uh, an elk tenderloin on that Taste of Alaska menu, which I very much enjoyed. I want to go back to Alaska just so I can eat from that menu again. It was it was awesome. I was a big fan of that menu. Um, favorite way to spend a day on Castaway Key? Uh, I think I did a podcast episode on this one time, uh, so definitely go back and check that one out. But generally speaking... Uh, a cabana is my favorite way to spend a day on Castaway Key. It, that is, you know, the most one of the most amazing experiences I've had with Disney Cruise Line. Unfortunately, I've only done it once, and it's you know it's very exclusive. It's very hard to get if you're not sailing concierge. So, uh, you know, that's not always an option. But typically, we will you know get to shore or you know go to shore early. We like to walk um, from the ship instead of taking the tram because you know it's a really nice walk. It gives you a great view of the ship. You get some good pictures there. Um, you just get to kind of enjoy the sea breeze. We'll go um, find our, our chairs. Uh, that we're gonna, that, you know, we're gonna spend the day in. We'll 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 spend some time in the water. The kids like to go out to um, kind of the jungle gym out there, or or, or do the slides. Um, I do like to do some snorkeling. I typically bring my own snorkel gear, and I'll I'll go snor- snorkel in the snorkel lagoon. That's kind of before lunch, and then we'll eat at Cookies too, um, Cookies or Cookies too. Uh, and then afterward, we typically like to go bike riding, and we love doing the bike riding. It's relatively inexpensive. Uh, it doesn't take up a whole lot of time, but it you know, lets you get out, do something unique and you sort of experience the island. You can ride all the way down to, um, you know, past the, uh, Serenity Bay beach. You can ride out to the, the lookout tower. It's a really fun experience. We like doing that. And then we like getting smoothies and of course, visiting the, uh, the merchandise shops. I, I'm always looking for, you know, something cool that has the castaway key uh logo on it and you know we we love visiting the merchandise shops on castaway key so we'll we'll typically visit those a couple times throughout the day but that's kind of our ideal um day on castaway key and, and and sort of how we spent the majority of our our visits there uh, another question from Ashley, if you could armchair imagineer something to plus the adults only space, what would it be? This was a question that I really liked and I thought long and hard about this one, but instead of coming up with something for the adults only spaces, um, how about I give you a couple ideas to kind of improve the in- entertainment quality around the ship? I, I, um, I don't remember if this is a, a unique idea that I came up with or if I saw it you know, someone else suggested somewhere, but I love the idea of a Disney themed escape room on board. I feel like this could be a lot of fun for, you know, adults only or families. Um, I I feel like it wouldn't take up an enormous amount of space and and could offer different experiences. So it has that, you know, repeatability factor. Um, but remember how we talked about a better use of the sports tech space? I mean, how about how about an escape room? I think that would be, um, you know, a, a fun a fun addition. 
Or what about a flight of passage type attraction somewhere on board? Since, you know, it feels like since the ride vehicle is stationary, um, this is another one that I, you know, <laughs> could feel like could somehow be done without taking up a ton of space on board. I have no idea how it could be done. It's just, you know, you know, that was my, I'm, I'm here to provide the idea, not, to, not to figure out how to do it. That's what the Imagineers are for. But I think that would be uh, a really cool thing that they could do as well. Um, one of my listeners one time also suggested to me the idea of a dark ride through the ship. Um, again, I have no idea if or how this could be pulled off, but I really like the idea. So that's, you know, there's, there's three, uh, that I came up with. Generally speaking, I really think Disney needs to step it up when it comes to, you know, dreaming up new entertainment, uh, on board. We're, we're seeing these other cruise lines come up with extremely innovative ideas and it feels like, I don't know. It feels like Disney is lagging behind a little bit, which sort of seems to go against what we've come to believe about Disney that, you know, they, they lead the way in innovation and are sort of ahead of everyone else when it comes to pushing the boundaries of what we think can be done. Um, I really just want the Imagineers to come up with something that we've never seen before. And I, I didn't think was, you know, was possible to do on a cruise ship. Um, it doesn't seem like we're going to get that with the wish. Uh, yes, I think the Aquamouse looks really cool, and I'm I I am absolutely excited about it. But I, you know, I can't help but think it's just kind of an upgrade to something that they've already you know achieved in the past. So, uh, really looking for Disney to step it up. <laughs> My friend uh, Concierge Chris asks on Twitter, "Will DCL ser- start serving <laughs> blue milk?" Um, I can't uh, escape the blue milk uh, thing. I <laughs> I've you know, sort of made it public that I am a big fan of the the blue milk at um, at Hollywood Studios in you know in Galaxy's Edge, and I get a I take a lot of heat on uh, on Twitter for it. So <laughs> that's why the, that's where the question came from. Um, uh, it, I don't know. I think if Disney Cruise Line really wants to you know take its service to the next level, we'll start serving blue milk on board, um, and at a minimum during Star Wars Day at Sea Cruises. Uh, but maybe. Um, in the uh, oh, I don't remember the name of it now. The the new Star Wars lounge on the Wish. The I would imagine we'll see blue milk um, in the lounge. So at least I'm hoping anyway. Um, Doug on Facebook says, "Do you think the Grand Hall on the Wish will have any other elements other than serving as the main atrium and hosting some meet and greets and weddings? It seems like it could be used for more." Thanks. I, I do think that they have plans for, you know, stuff to go on, on in the grand hall. I, they have already announced that there is going to be a stage there. So I do think they're going to have, you know, performances there, whether they're scheduled or sort of, um, you know, uh, random. I, I think you are going to see things kind of on stage, uh, and maybe even throughout the, the grand hall that, you know, we, we may not be expecting or we may not have heard about, but yes, I, I do think there's, it's going to be more than just a lobby. Um, our cubbage on Instagram says, do you have to schedule a time to be out at pools? No, you do not have to schedule time to visit the pools. Um, this was something that was speculated before the cruise restart. Um, you know that that's something that they uh, work. You know, might be considering in their health and safety protocols, but it never actually made it into practice. Which, uh, which I was very happy to hear. You don't have to schedule time uh, to be out at the pools. Seattle Spider on Instagram says, "Is there a best dining rotation on a seven night cruise on the Fantasy?" Um, 
I don't think there's necessarily one specific dining rotation that is better than another. And, you know, I may get some feedback on this, but um, I don't think there's one that's better than another. I do believe there is a worst dining rotation for a seven night cruise on the fantasy. And <laughs> before I say what I think it is, if you end up with this dining rotation, please don't feel like your cruise is, is you know, is going to be ruined. I promise you it's not. But if your dining rotation has you eating at Animator's Palette only twice and one of your nights ends up being on Pirate Night, that, I think, is the worst rotation you could get. Um, you know, on a seven-night cruise on the Fantasy, there are two different experiences that you get in Animator's Palette, and both are, I think, are very enjoyable and memorable, especially um, if it's your first cruise. So if you happen to end up in Animator's Palette on Pirate Night, you'll unfortunately miss out on one of those two experiences. Plus, I am not a big fan of the Pirate Night menu, so it ends up uh, kind of being a, a double negative there. And speaking of negative, I feel like <laughs> that was a very negative response to the question, but it's, you know, it's just what popped into my head when I, when I, when I first read the question, just as a side note, my favorite rotation, um, kind of gem is on the magic. Uh, if you're lucky enough to eat at Rapunzel's Royal table on the night that Tangled the musical is playing in the theater, uh, that's kind of peak <laughs> rotation, dining rotation, uh, scheduling. There's, there's, Nothing really different about the experience at dinner. I just think it's cool that you sort of have this immersive experience in the the Tangled universe for the entire evening. Um, I'm always excited when it when it works out for us that way. Maori seven three nine nine on Instagram says we cruise in April. What's the ship like now? We have sailed before and are worried we will be disappointed. Um, I mean. <laughs> Everything I've been hearing, people are loving cruising right now. Uh, I've people are saying that you know the the cruise experience is is you know about the same with some differences, which I'll you know highlight in a second. Um, but you know I, I haven't heard a whole lot of negativity, so I, I don't think I certainly don't think you'll be disappointed. I think things will be a little different than what you're um, you know what you've been used to, but I don't think you'll be disappointed. Uh, you know, certainly sailing with lo lower capacity, that's a, a big um, uh, advantage to sailing right now. Masks are required in all indoor areas. Uh, there, you know, you don't have close interactions with characters. There's the kids club restrictions that I, I mentioned before. Um, single parties in the dining restaurants that, you know, some people would, would say that's a benefit to cruising now. So, you know, there are some things that uh, are different right now, but I don't think it's going to, you know, affect your, your cruise in a negative way all that much. Uh, Schwiggs moved over to Instagram, um, and said, what would you name the next ship and what two Disney classics would you like to see reimagined as musicals for the ships? Uh, the two names that first came to my mind when the, the new ships were announced were believe and imagine or imagination. I, I don't know if I can, technically say those are the same, but, um, you know, those are the ones that came to my mind. So I'll stick with those believe is my top choice, but, uh, but I like both of them as for musicals. I've said many times on this show that I think Moana would be a fantastic Broadway style musical in the Walt Disney theater. The music is amazing. And I think they could come up with some unbelievable set designs and effects it has great characters, and I just think that Disney could really knock it out of the park with a Moana musical. Does that count as a Disney classic, though? Probably not. Um, I think The Little Mermaid on The Wish is going to be really cool. I've always liked what they do with Little Mermaid songs and some of the, the current productions on board. So 
Um, I think they'll do a really good job with that one. I've always loved the Hercules soundtrack, but you know, I've know they've done that one before. I love Lion King on Broadway. Uh, I think it'd be, be cool for them to bring that one on board. Um, or how about Pocahontas? I think that one could work well too. Um, forgive me if I say this, uh, I think this is my last question that I have here. Um, uh, but if I say the name wrong, I apologize. Ionovich on Instagram. Um, where is your favorite place to relax on board? <laughs> this might be a little bit of a letdown, but my favorite place to relax is typically my own veranda. I love putting the kids to bed after a long, fun day and kind of sneaking out onto the veranda to listen to the sea and, and the ambient noise that comes from the upper decks. I, you know, it's, it's just like peak relaxation for me. I, I love that. I love watching the other ships off in the distance. The stars are, you know, out really bright. Um, and just, you know, my wife and I are able to chat at the, you know, at those times and it's really kind of a, an invaluable experience for the two of us. So that's, that's my favorite place to relax on board. Um, so that is it for the questions. I really appreciate you all submitting them. Like I said, anytime you have questions, please feel free to reach out. You can find me on all my social media pages. I'm happy to either answer them right there. Um, you know, if I get a lot of the, at the same time, I like to, you know, try to compile them, but I'll still typically write back and, um, answer just so, you know, I don't leave you hanging, but, um, really appreciate all the questions. There were some really good ones here, really creative ones. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it's really fun for me doing these. I like, I like, um, you know, hearing what you want to talk about. So anytime you also, you know, have a, an idea for a show topic, please let me know. And, and I, you know, I really want to talk about what you want to hear about. So, uh, thank you for listening to this episode. Thanks for the questions. And uh, I'll talk to you again next time. As a reminder, you can connect with the show by following along on Twitter at the DCL dude, or by liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash DCL dude podcast. Please feel free to ask a question, leave a comment, drop a note, or share the podcast with your followers. I'd also be very grateful if you could rate the podcast on iTunes and leave a review. Of course, if there's anything I can do to improve your listening experience, please let me know. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>